Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Arsenal Beat, the only Arsenal podcast which brings together the journalists and reporters who cover the club on a regular basis. I'm Mark Manbrines from PA Media and today I'm joined by Sam Dean of The Telegraph and the Mirror's chief football writer, John Cross. So Arsenal managed to just about see off Benfica to reach the last 16 of the Europa League and essentially keep their season alive on, on Thursday night. Uh, plenty's been said about Bakayo Saka, Piero Mikabamian, Kieran Tierney. But chaps, I wanted us to talk about Willian if we could today. Um, he came off the bench and laid on Tierney's goal, arguably looked better than he has done in months. Sam, do you think that could be something of, of a watershed moment for him at Arsenal? Um, I thought he was okay. I thought he was pretty good without being spectacular. Um, it, it was interesting hearing Mikel Arteta talk afterwards, and he he was very very glowing in his praise of William, saying he changed the game and produced the goal for, for Tierney. And, and while, while the second part of that is certainly true in terms of the assist, um, I don't think he was, you know, I don't think he was so influential that he, he was the pivotal man in that comeback. But it was certainly um, a, quite a sharp, bright performance and far better than he'd been producing for the first few months of this season, which obviously led to this uh, exile from the first team that he's been going through in the last few months. Whether it's a turning point, I don't know. I suspect there's a pretty strong chance that he plays against Leicester on Sunday because we know how much Bakayi Saka's played. We know how much Aubameyang's played. and Even Martin Odegaard now has played, started the last four games in a row, having pretty much not played at all for a couple of months at Real Madrid. So he'll need a break too. So I think there's a chance he comes back in. And for him, we all know he's a great player and, He's got a great history in, in England and I know some fans are extremely unhappy with him, but he is still Willian and he is still this guy. I mean, yes, he's not as fast as he was, not as, not as physically sharp as he was, but he's still a very good player playing beneath where he could be. So for him, it might be a huge confidence boost and I'm, it seems pretty clear to me that Arteta's trying to manoeuvre that in a way that he treats it as a confidence boost in his own mind. Yeah, he's definitely trying to almost control the narrative there, wasn't he? I mean... That, that, that comeback yesterday was very little to do with the fact he brought Willian on, I think, wasn't it? And it was another stellar performance from a Saka and a Bamiyang, really. But, um, John, you, you would have seen plenty of, of Willian in the Chelsea days. So, how surprised are you at the, these continued struggles since he, he moved to Arsenal? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm utterly bemused by it all. I, you know, because what I would say is I don't think he was ever a spectacular player. But I, I always thought that when he was at his best... He was a uh, creative player and, a, you know, a really inventive force for Chelsea. But one, obviously, one of those rare players that is kind of that, that sort of stylish, skillful player who works so hard. And they're, you know, they're hard to find in football. There's no doubt about it. And that's what marks them out as different and somewhat special. And William definitely into that category. I mean, you know... It, it, <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? There's so much revisionism that goes on about, uh, amongst Chelsea fans over whether he was good or not. And, you know, if you dare to even suggest that indeed he was, uh, I think he was player of the year on two occasions. One, one the official kind of, you know, uh, player of the year when they had their worst season in that, that Mourinho meltdown season. So they kind of qualify that, oh, well, he was only good in a really bad team. And the other one was the kind of the player's player of the year. When, when I, I actually quite like those sort of awards because I think it marks you down as someone who, who got, has got the respect of the other players for working hard and sort of doing a job for the team. 
So my, my massive surprise about this one was, I wasn't surprised when Arsenal signed him, I have to say, because, you know, I think we'd all been sort of writing and hinting and seen the, seen the smoke signals for very obvious reasons as to why he might come across. But mine, like other people, was I was just so surprised at the level of uh, contract, because it's huge, isn't it? What a shade under £200,000 a week uh, for three years. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no clause or anything like that. There's no sort of, you know, extra year. It's just straight three years, and I mean that was that's twelve months longer than Chelsea were prepared to offer in the end. And I just think, look at his age. And w- the thing that worries me is we're talking, you know, we're in the first season and he's not played well. I, yeah. I mean, I thought I thought he'd do well for for a year, maybe into the second year. And, and and it's frankly, it's just not worked out like that. And that's that's been the disappointing thing. But I totally agree with Sam. I think that basically it was so telling, wasn't it, that, that sort of Arteta um, bigging him up after the game. You know, it, it, I'd be amazed if he doesn't start at Leicester on Sunday, simply because if you bring him on like that, it makes a difference. The manager then praises him. If you're not going to start him then, then when are you going to start him? And, and let's be honest here, guys, he's got to make it work, Arteta. Got to. You can't let that sort of, you know, money go down the drain week in, week out and not get a tune out of that player. It would be very Mesut 2.0, wouldn't it? I think, you know, that you, you touched on the contract length there. And I think that just proves how much Edu and Arteta wanted to get Willian over the line. They were that keen to get him into the club that they felt he was worth not only the money, but, but the outlay over, over three years. And then to fast forward, what, six months and they're bringing in a, a loan signing from Real Madrid who plays in a similar position and had gone straight into the team and he's getting plaudits in, in Martin Odegaard. It almost shows that his stock must have fallen slightly within the club as well, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah. I, the one thing I would say about the three-year contract and the, the financial side of things is that, and this is all very much on paper and going back to before he arrived, his performances were poor. If you looked at who... Arsenal was signing, that is someone who's a very valuable player, someone who got lots of assists and goals in the Premier League and was last year an extremely important part of a Chelsea team that finished in the top four and got the FA Cup final. So essentially, and there's no transfer fee. So the way I looked at it was financially, the third year of that contract is essentially the transfer fee they had to pay to get him because his, that was his condition. He would not come or leave Chelsea unless he got a three-year deal. And that's fine. That makes sense for him at his age. That's, that's pretty wise business sense. The decision for Arsenal was, okay, let's say he's cost about six or seven million pounds a year in wages. The third year of that is essentially a transfer fee. So in my head, I've looked at it slightly differently to the three-year contract. If you look at the, the total cost of, it's about 20 million pounds of wages, I think, at the top of my head. The whole total cost of William, 20 million pounds for three years. For a player of his experience and his quality and his sort of numbers at this level, that strikes me as quite a good business. But, and here's the big but, that is on the basis that he would perform as he was at Chelsea and he hasn't. He's gone off a cliff, in which case £20 million for someone who's already struggling and has got two and a half years left and is getting older is not good business, of course. But yeah, that's just my view on the, on the financial thing. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys that um, it, it's been sort of, striking to see how his confidence has just disappeared but um, one thing I should I think that should be said is you say Ozil 2.0 there's been no suggestion as far as I'm aware um, that he's uh, 
a troublesome character or divisive at all or likely to cause any problems behind the scenes. I think he's basically quite a good egg and was seen that way at Chelsea and is certainly quite popular with the Brazilian lads at Arsenal. There's a lot of young guys coming through like Martinelli and, and Gabriel who, you know, they need to settle into England. They need someone to help show them the ropes. And Louise and Willian are quite influential figures in that sense. And I think that's quite an important thing to say about Willian that he's not a hugely disruptive character behind the scenes, despite I think some Arsenal fans assume he is or maybe want him to be. Um, but he's not. I think he's he's quite a quiet and hard-working, diligent guy. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could recall a player signed with such a big reputation as, as John was mentioning before, who's fallen foul of, of the supporters as quickly as he has. John, do you, is there a way back for him? And and also, I suppose, is he is he almost lucky at the moment that there's no fans in those stadiums jeering when his name gets read out or jeering when he comes onto the pitch that because that would only impact further on on his confidence wouldn't it yeah it would, it would really I suppose really if you translate it into kind of you know my, my sort of cutting remarks or sort of tweets about him then basically that's about the fan equivalent of, of a jeer or a boo which I'm you know never in favour of I don't know why you know, any fan would turn up and boo their own player I've done it once in my whole supporting life and I bitterly regret it to this day. It was Graham Ricks, by the way, very briefly before someone corrected me on the terraces. But um, uh, I, you know, it, I, I do think there's a big issue there that the basically as soon as the fans come back, yeah, there's this, so he's got to kind of almost turn it around before the start of next season and use these next few months to try and sort of, you know, ingratiate himself or show that he can make a positive impact. I think the confidence thing is such an issue for him that he's a player that, you know, I, he's obviously not not slow, but he's not absolutely dynamite quick. And so I guess a lot of the times, even I can picture him doing at Chelsea, was often, you know, turning inside, playing it back, in, you know, inside, trying to work a bit of space and then delivering a cross or, you know, a final ball. But the problem with Arsenal is that it often seems to me that you know, if, if something's not on because he hasn't got a traditional striker to aim at, he hasn't maybe got the overlap run, then he just is constant turn inside and a square pass. That's that's defined his performances this season. The turn inside, six yard square pass. I mean, it's just it's it's so frustrating. I have to say, and I do sympathise with with a lot of Arsenal fans who, you know, so, you know, annoyed and fed up about it uh, because it does look, on the face of it, not a great signing. I mean, you know, uh, Edu, you know, I think you were there, Mark, when we spoke to him, you know, did, I don't know, what, six weeks ago, maybe a couple of months, you know, saying that anyone knows football, knows William is a gifted player and t technical and will turn it around. Yeah. You know, he doesn't become a bad player overnight. We've got to hope that's true. He hasn't yet. And and it's it's interesting, isn't it? We're seizing on one moment, one one you know tiny little thing as could this could this be the moment <laughs> your grand awakening, you know, for William and his Arsenal career? Well, let's hope so because you know I do I do feel for a player like going through that because I I agree with Sam. I don't know that he's you know anything other than you know going to be determined to turn it round. I'm sure he's not a troublesome figure. And let's let's hope he can do that because he could he can provide some valuable I think backup you know experience you know competition a bit for Saka and I just think he, you know he's got it has to have a value in the squad has to. 
funny that that, that assist was a, was a six-yard pass inside, basically, as well, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. well, that had to work sometime, didn't it? That's <laughs> so, because just come, come to you, John touched on it there about the, the reaction to the fans. And one tweet in particular you sent supporting Willian last night, and the, the, just the backlash to the fact you happened to mention that Willian did something positive kind of summed up that the response to him at the moment, didn't it? Yeah, I think um, collectively, as journalists, we often sort of make too much of, of social media and doesn't always reflect what the actual mood is among sort of the match-going core fan base. But with no fans at matches, it becomes sort of the only, only place to hear a reaction. And I've been really struck, and I know it's not just me, I know some of our colleagues too, and someone like Charles Watts, who's got a huge following on, on Twitter, I'm sure he's experienced this too, is that any sort of mention of Willian or suggestion of Willian gets seized upon and it's, it's almost like it's almost like there's a hundreds of people out there who, who are desperate to be really angry about Willian and last night that was one of that was a really good dramatic European away win for Arsenal last night a really you know character building showed the strength of the team Aubameyang scoring 87th minute winner that's a great night for Arsenal last night even though it was all of their own making in terms of the problems they had but that was a great night yet it felt to me that like just going through my mentions and stuff after tweeting the Arteta quote about Willian changing the game, it, it was just, I was just getting absolutely battered by people telling me, no, 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 he's useless. No, 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 we can't have him involved. Arteta's taking the piss here. He's just trying to save his own back because he made a bad sign and, you know, he's got to go, get him out, terminate the contract. And I thought, it seems like there's more strong emotions about Willian than there is about actually winning the game, which... I mean, I don't, I don't quite know why that is. I, I assume it's partly because he's come from Chelsea and partly because of the key Jarabchin connection and all the discussions around that. But it just feels a bit out of keeping with what fans should be <laughs> hoping for. But it strikes me that no one will be happy if William comes back and is really good because it would sort of prove them all wrong. <laughs> it's almost as if they want him to fail more than ever, which is very, very strange. And I wonder if it's just a sign of the times and just a reflection of a vocal minority of Arsenal fans on Twitter. But that's... That's certainly been my experience, and I think it's been the experience of other people as well. Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting point that that I, I, I do you know what I had this sort of kind of half term week off, and kind of felt slightly out the, out the loop because I really determined to sort of kind of turn off my social media really for a week, and it was bliss, by the way. Um, and then before I went to Arsenal Man City, I just you know messaged a couple of long-standing Arsenal supporting pals, one who's uber supportive like and by the way they're, they're, they're real match going fans they they go home and away one hasn't missed a game for years and you know the other in the same same sort of category as well and it's just so interesting isn't it because without fans in stadiums you know we are getting coloured I think in many ways by uh, you know sort of the fans on social media which don't necessarily represent you know the whole of the fan base I can't say that one is at all supportive of William. <laughs> There's no morals to this story, but we shouldn't lose sight <laughs> of the fact that basically the you know that they are, you know, the, I, I was surprised at how positive they were, particularly about Mikel Arteta. I don't, I didn't expect them to be, you know, baying for blood. Blood, please don't get me wrong, but they were very much both thinking, you know, one even more so than the other, saying like, let's get to the summer, let's see what happens in the summer, and then go from there. And I just think that it's, it's a really interesting sort of soundboard that, that basically they they were kind of, you know, still positive about it. Listen, I, I think if Arsenal had gone out to Benfica 
it, it, I think Arteta would have had big questions to ask. And that's not to say that I don't, you know, that they would have got rid of him or his position under immediate threat. Please don't get me wrong. If you are losing to a team who I thought were pretty poor, they're, they're far from being a classic Benfica side. On the back of 12 months ago, you go out to Olympiacos. It's two, you know, it's kind of two years running that you go out to a sort of a second-rate European team. Project or no project, long-term vision or no long-term vision, shouldn't really be losing, I don't think, to a far inferior team. You know, once is, you know, a, 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 like a mistake, twice is, 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 is not right. You know, there's something going wrong there. But I just think that we, you know, largely I think the supporter base are very positive about Arteta. But the one thing that they do seem to have a real issue is, is William, Sam, I couldn't agree more with you on, the, on that kind of, he's almost like epitomises the whole angry fallout of the transfer policy. Another, another long-term deal for another ageing player, you know, and he, that was in the backdrop of the Ozil fallout. So I guess they're linking in with that. The Keir Jarabjin thing. I mean, you know, the anger to, about Keir Jarabjin, I think, is the most misplaced thing in the world. Because Keir Jarabjin is a, is a football agent. Of course he wants to get good deals for his players. I don't blame him for that. Yeah. You've got to blame Arsenal, you know, for, for basically taking the players. You know, if, if they don't work out, it's, it's up to them. And, and frankly, you know, the, the, I thought, you know, they're potentially two good players. So, you know, that, that's Arsenal to sort of sort out. But Lewis has had his ups and downs, as, it, as as William, you know. And maybe William pushes on from here, let's see. But, you know, I, I just feel a bit a bit sorry for, for, for William in the circumstances. And here's me who's been very critical. But, you know, he's, he's got to find some confidence and belief from somewhere. The, the mood in the stadium in my limited experience covering Arsenal for three years now, has tended to be more positive and, and less quick to turn uh, as it has online and in blogs and in various fandoms. I think, for example, Emery, um, Emery had more support in the ground. Uh, you know, the, the, the blogosphere and the social media Twitter sphere had long since turned on Emery by the time the fans did. And I thought, you know, the fans are more patient and, and people at the club were saying, you know, it's, it's not really about what the noise on social media is, it's about, it's about the reaction in the crowd. Then after Jumberg came in, I was surprised that because he was Freddie and because of who he was and he's a very charismatic guy and everyone loves him. After about two or three games, they'd already started to grumble, weren't they? And I know it's because the team weren't playing very well. I did start to think, oh, maybe they're not quite as patient as I thought. And I just wondered, do you think if there were fans at the moment this season, Arsenal now 11th um, out of the League Cup, out of the FA Cup, do you think they would have started to turn at all? Yeah, I think it would have been, it would have been on the edge. Because, right. you know, these are two, you know, just take this sort of kind of a, a straw pile really from two fans. But I do think that fans would have been getting fed up. Because I, I, I must say, I look at the table and I think 11th. Yeah, oh, what's going on? I still think it's really weird in that basically... You know, I listened to kind of the Tuesday Club podcast a couple of weeks ago and Alan Davis went on a, went on a seismic rant and I thought, he's probably got a point. You know, that basically George Graham came in and they were bang average and he, he, you know, he improved the team. And I don't hate too much historical stuff because, frankly, what is the, you know, the mid-80s really got to do with 2020? Do you know what I mean? It's it, I think sometimes that's a bit of an unfair comparison and, 
you know, but likewise a bit sort of, he was sort of saying Arsene Wenger, it, it, people would never have accepted that, you know, had it been Arsene Wenger. And yet, despite actually spending quite a lot of money, you know, people seem to be accepting of Mikel Arteta. And it's, it's a strange one, really. Um, because I do think that, you know, certain drawbacks and certain defeats, you know, all those, de- you know, home defeats back to back would have been bruising and would have been potentially more damaging with the fans in on Arteta than actually it's, it's proved to be. Because I think that, I don't know whether what, what you agree, guys, is that basically he's got this season, he's got another transfer window. Going into next season, I think fans want to see a tangible sign of progress yeah, and, agree. you know, real, real progression. And I, I think basically people have almost said, OK, we'll let this season go. But I think that that sort of faith will only stretch too far. But I do think they, they are, they've become very, you know, I think that generally, I think fans are very impatient, really. Freddie was, was fascinating because I have to say, I, I you know, love Freddie as a player, loved him as a person, but he looked horribly out of his depth. Absolutely horribly out of depth. And I think sometimes that transmits, doesn't it? You know, there's no there's no easy way of saying it. I think he was quite respected as a youth coach and did 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 well behind the scenes. But you know, suddenly to try and get an invincible to step up and be a miracle worker. Well, you know, happens in fairy tales, but didn't work this time. And you know, I think the thing about Arteta is that people can see that he's clearly a good good coach and good good manager. So give him time and give him patience, and he's got that. But would he have got that same luxury? the fans been in I'm, I'm not sure we're talking just a couple of hours guys after Arsenal discovered their opponents for the next round of the Europa League um, there were plenty of potential stories in that draw with Tottenham Rangers Villarreal Manchester United and Olympiacos of course all carrying those different narratives and it was Olympiacos that came out of the hat and as you mentioned earlier John despite losing to them last year Arteta's got to be pleased with that draw hasn't he Oh yeah, definitely. I think he's he's got to be very happy. I think you could have got a lot worse. Um, my natural instinct is that Arsenal should be favourites for that, and then so it's it's got to be a potentially you know good good passage. Blimey, it's going straight back to Athens, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? And then you know, the, the luck, as luck would have it, it, it doesn't feel as if you know they'll have an issue over playing the home leg at the Emirates, which is obviously a huge. Um, uh, positive because you know Greece is not in the in the red list if you like of countries so so that's a positive and yeah it's a really good opportunity I think to to make progression and, and to reach the quarterfinals and I think once you're into the quarterfinals then you can begin to dream can't you I think so it's a good draw I think uh, just just after the draw came out I watched back the highlights of the second leg last year which um, I mean as as reporters I think we were all there. That was an absolute nightmare to do a live match report on. Extra, extra, nine, nine, last minute of extra time away goal. And then there was still time for Aubameyang to miss that absolute sitter. And 10 minutes before we scored a bicycle kick. I mean, it's just like absolutely incredible nights. So much sort of going on. I mean, they're going to have to be, they're going to surely be fired up to avenge that one because it was such a humiliation. And it was such a, I mean, the first day they were so in control. I think we were all out there in Athens. Crossy, were you there too? The first leg, I don't know actually. Lacazette no, scored about ten minutes to go. Actually, no, no. no. But, 
You'd have been doing They're Champions quite... League, mate. Don't worry about it. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not to say I'm too excited. <laughs> <laughs> You've been at the new camp or the burnabout. We're stuck in there. Stuck no, I think you're spot on, really. I think it was almost the last vestiges of the Unai Emery tenure. That's how bad and how mad that game was, wasn't it? How they were never really in control against the team they should have been beating. And then it almost, the writing was on the wall. I thought as soon as we went to extra time, it, you just had the feeling this is definitely what's going to happen. And, you know, lo and behold, having had two years in the Europa League where they got to the semi-finals and the final to fall at the, the round of 32 was, was shocking, wasn't it? And I think the FA Cup success only further saved the season because of that. But the prep this season is now very much on in that competition, isn't it? Because I think it, it's not no secret in saying between the three of us, it is their only chance of European football next season, I think, isn't it? It is, absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting that he, Arteta, is the only manager still in the competition for, for an English team to be playing consistently his first choice lineup in that in that competition. You know, yeah, I mean, it's partly because obviously United probably feel as if uh, they, they could ring the changes for a dead rubber last night. But let's be honest, I, I thought Real Sociedad would, would, would be much tougher opponents in the away game. Yeah. Um, if you like, and you know, albeit obviously in strange places, but it's just United still rang the changes in that first game, won easily, and then you, you know, it, it similarly also for Spurs, they've just been playing you know strange random out of out of favour players in <laughs> you know as, as they in Ali and Bale, yeah, I know, imagine that, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, Leicester, the, the, less, the lesser known Gareth Bale, yeah. <laughs> And Leicester the same as well. Under gets a chance. I like him as a player, by the way. But, um, it, it, you know, it's it, random sort of players thrown in and they probably don't view it as as, as nearly as important as, as Arsenal do because it's the one that saves their season. And I just think it's, it's, it's the chance to get into Europe. And as I say, I think once you get to the quarterfinals, if you get a little bit lucky in the quarterfinal draw, then all of a sudden, you, you, you must feel as if, you know, and the English teams will fancy themselves. I think the biggest the biggest obstacle for Arsenal is A, themselves, and B, another English team. And I think beyond that, I think that, you know, it, it, it's open, you know, really for, for Arsenal to go a bit further. I think, I think on the team selection thing, to be blunt, I don't think Arteta trusts many of his team. I think he has a select few that he looks at and goes, OK, I can rely on you. And then the rest, the rest of that first eleven, I think he's sort of still a bit unconvinced on. And then you're looking towards the subs and the bench. I think there's a lot of players that he doesn't really fancy, and there were probably a few they'd have to stick with anyway because you can't just get rid of everyone and you can't replace everyone. But I think there's a yeah, there's probably three or four who he goes, yes, you're you're the guys for me who can get me through this. Uh, I'm simply undroppable for them at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think Mark, Mark and I were just talking before beforehand about. Um, so Mulder, I think, have drawn. Who have they drawn against? Up against oh, Granada. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that you look at that and think, okay, well, whoever gets the winner of them, going to feel pretty confident um, going to the next round. And you know, there, there is a pathway here to suddenly get semi-finals, and it starts looking a bit, a bit juicy. And they had a great run, didn't they, under under Emery a couple of years ago? And Valencia, Napoli, Ren, some really great games. And that, that I think the Europa League is quite a good competition, frankly. And that was sort of the uh, that's quite a stirring, thrilling engaging engaging one at the time so if they can do anything like that again I think it would be the sort of thing that might galvanise the fan base again Time now for our predictor game Beat the Beat The Beat predicted a 2-1 loss to Manchester City last weekend and were closer than selected listener at a fabulous opera 6 who thought they may lose 4-1 
That means for the first time since week one, the beat now leads and the listeners need to hit back by getting closer with their predictions for Sunday's Premier League game at High Flying Leicester. Tweet us your predictions for this game to at the Arsenal beat using the hashtag BeatTheBeat. If your prediction is picked to go up against our panel and you win, you'll be entered into the prize draw at the end of the season. So, can you beat the beat? So, it is a trip to Leicester on Sunday for Arsenal. Um, John, you mentioned under earlier on. I know he, he had quite a good game at the Emirates in the in the 1-0 win, didn't he? He settled the party goal. Um, is it a good time to be playing Leicester when they've just been knocked out of the Europa League? Who knows? Um, Sam, what kind of game can you see and, and what do you think the score will be? I think uh, I think Leicester are evidently a better team than Arsenal. Um, no Madison, I think, which would be a big issue for them. Clearly an issue last night for them. They didn't have enough chances without him playing in the midfield. Um, I imagine Arsenal's hopes will depend quite a lot on the team selection. Um, I pretty much think Mikel Arteta wrote off the City game last week. Uh, he played, he made five changes. He changed both centre-backs. And I think he said, OK, well, we'll do our best, but I know how good City are. Um, and I wouldn't be hugely surprised, given the physical exertions of this week and, and the pressure that players like Saka, Odegaard and Aubameyang have been under, I wouldn't be hugely surprised if he makes five or six changes again and essentially rolls the dice. So, yeah, I mean, Leicester would be my sort of strong favourites, given how well they're playing and the likelihood of Arsenal changes. You agree with that, Yeah, I do. I do. I think the only thing is with Leicester, sometimes, you know, what sort of reaction mentally will they have to to going out? Because... I just feel for Leicester. I mean, what a, what an amazing season. It's really interesting to read, wasn't it? Sort of the, the respect that Arteta has for Brendan Rodgers saying that basically he should be contender for manager of the year. Yeah. Um, which was quite, which is quite something because, I mean, <laughs> I just think Pep Guardiola is an absolute genius and will run away with it. But so, you know, to kind of put Rodgers, bearing in mind Arteta's relationship with, uh, with, with, with Guardiola, but to put Rodgers in that, even, even in that conversation, in that sentence, is quite flattering. Maybe it's managerial mind games, but um, but I just no, you know, very harsh on Graham Potter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, the love that Graham Potter has, I'm <laughs> desperate to see Brighton stay. I love Brighton because they're my lockdown champions, Brighton, and I, the Super Club really to deal with. That sounds so patronising. It's not true, but um, but I I you know and 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 frankly, they gifted Arsenal points in there, um, but it, <laughs> um, I, I you know I I I. I tend to think that sort of Leicester will surely be favourite, and you know Arsenal. They're playing so many games, and they're going to be so so exhausted at some point. But I do think you can't let that let them. You can't, as Arsenal, finish in the bottom half. I don't think of the of the table and think that's even if you know even if they go further in the Europa League. I don't think that's acceptable. I really don't. Arsenal cannot be happy with that. And I, I, you know, there has to be some pride at some point in in the Premier League finishing. You know, I think that finishing the European places is now looking a very tall order for them. But that's not to say that I can be completely dismissive of the rest of the of the league campaign. So I think they've got to find a will from somewhere. But I just think they're they're putting all their eggs in this in the Europa League basket, and you know, it's a dangerous path because what if it blows up? And, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. But I, w- I would make Leicester strong favourites, yeah. Yeah, Leicester have been, strangely, much better away from home this season. I think if you look at the stats, they bear out that 
they've had a good record away from home, much like Manchester United in that way. But you look at what they did to Liverpool. I know there were individual errors in that Liverpool game, but let's be honest, there's there's every chance that there's individual errors in that Arsenal team we saw with Sabios against Benfica, didn't we? So, yeah, I, I don't think you can look beyond, beyond Leicester, can you? Maybe a, a narrow 1-0, 2-1, something like that. 2-1 sounds about right to me as a prediction. Willie Ann goal for, for Arsenal, maybe? <laughs> oh, as long as it's not an own goal. Yeah, no, I, I'll, probably, I'll probably go along with that, something like 2-1, you know, so to, to Leicester. That concludes another episode of the Arsenal Beat. We will be back next week, but for now, please do check out our third special episode, Hail End FC, as we take an in-depth look at the talent that continues to roll off the production line at the Arsenal Academy. Stay safe. 